You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. Through a combination of solo episodes and interviews with some incredible guests, we bring you the insights and practical tips to create happier working environments for you and your teams. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or a colleague and leaving a rating or review on your favorite platform. If you don't ask the right questions, you might start solving for the wrong problem. And so client will come to you and say, I need you to write this contract for me. And it's like, if you just jump in and you're like, okay, great, let's do it. Hmm. You might not realize that that's not actually what they need. That's what they think they need. That's not what they need. So we were trained to ask questions before you Hmm. take action. And Hmm. it's the same in coaching now where a client will come and say, okay, I have an issue with this. I want to get a promotion and my organization just isn't promoting me. Okay, on the surface, that's what it looks like. You start digging and asking questions and then you realize that, ah, before we get to that, there's some things that we need to deal with. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so thrilled you decided to tune in today. So I'm mixing things up a little bit with this week's episode. This is an episode that I recorded live on LinkedIn a number of months ago and with the intention of putting it out onto the podcast. So would love to know what you think of this new style, this new format, but but it has been recorded. If you want to watch the video version of this, I will put the link to that in the show notes as well. My lovely guest today is Janine Esbrand, and we have a brilliant conversation about career management and how to be more strategic in your careers, how to get your priorities right, how to take those transferable skills and apply them to whatever it is that you want to do. Now, Janine is an ex-lawyer turned coach and she helps people with their careers. So she is in such a privileged and amazing position to be able to share this wisdom with you today. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, at the end of the episode, I will be doing a synopsis of the key points that we covered during this conversation. I would absolutely love to know what you think of today's episode. Janine, you're welcome to this LinkedIn Live. I'm so excited for this conversation. I know we've been talking about this for a month or two, and we had a brilliant conversation on your LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. And so we're recording this today with a view to turning it into one of the Hacker at Work podcast episodes. This is something a little bit new for me, so I'm quite excited to do it. Do you want to introduce yourself? Let people know a little bit about your background, and we can take that as a jumping off point of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for having me, Aoife. I'm really excited to have this conversation. My name is Janine Esbrand. I am a career strategist and an executive coach. I'm also a keynote speaker and a former lawyer. And so I started out my career as a corporate lawyer, transitioned into being an in-house commercial lawyer, and then um, started my coaching practice on the side, had a portfolio career for a good number of years, and then in 2021 went full-time in my coaching and consulting business. Brilliant. I'm intrigued by the fact that you were previously a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, I mean, I decided when I was really young that I wanted to be a lawyer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe about eight, nine years old, I remember having a conversation with my mum and her just in frustration, actually just saying, you should be a lawyer because I had an answer for everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that really sparked the initial idea. And then I remember growing up watching programs like Ali McBeal, Law and Order, oh, yeah. and just thinking, oh, that looks like an awesome career. I want to be a lawyer and um, just decided to follow <laughs> the path. And it wasn't until I actually started practicing that I was like, hmm, <laughs> this isn't yeah. quite how it looked on the shows. Um, I know, it's so, so yeah. yeah, so the practice of law, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed. There's parts of it that's really challenging, like the long hours, going through lots and lots of documents, having to do a lot of reading. And so, yeah, it was good. I mean, I practiced law for 10 years and I did it in very different ways. So I worked as a lawyer in private practice. I also worked in-house for a few different companies and I worked as a consultant lawyer. So I had the experience of practicing law in different ways and each have their benefits and their downfalls or their pitfalls. But yeah, I think it's a great profession there's a lot of skills that you develop and that are required in order for you to operate as a lawyer that set you up for success in so many different ways in the future Mm. and so yeah I did it for a season in my uh, professional career and I still use some of what I learned now in my role as a coach and a speaker and all that I do now. Brilliant and how did you find the transition then going from working in corporate let's say to running your own business? So I think because I did it in stages for some people, it might be like, oh my goodness, that's a massive transition. But actually, I built a bridge. I um, was practicing on the side while still um, in my day job. And so I built up the business and understood what was required of me while I still had the safety net of my role as a lawyer. Uh, and so when I then went full time, it didn't feel as big of a jump. Although there is something that happens when you make transitions around your identity, because mm particularly if you're in a professional services background and you've worked hard to get to where you are, meaning you've invested a lot of years and a lot of money, a lot of resources to get there, your role becomes tied up with your identity. And when you then decide, I'm no longer going to do that, there's a mindset shift that has to happen in order Mm. for you to say, actually, I'm no longer identifying by this title and I'm going to do this thing over here. So I did have to do some work around that where I was just like, oh, okay. So if I'm no longer a lawyer, am I am I saying I'm a coach? And am I saying who I'm am a I? Who am I? What title? <laughs> I've got so many hats. Am I a speaker? Yeah. And then I was like, I can do all those things. I can be all those yeah. things. Yeah, um, but yeah. There was definitely a transition where I was like, oh, so I'm not a lawyer anymore. And it was like, I'm a different person. Who am I? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that yeah. happens for a lot of people who um, go through career transitions. You realize mm. how much your identity is tied up with the work that you do rather yeah. than focusing on who you are as a person. Yeah, I love that. And maybe we'll drill into it in a little bit more detail. I just wanted to share something from my own personal experience. I've just finished listening to Marie Forleo, Everything is Figure Outable on audio. Mm-hmm. And the way she describes herself is a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Yeah. I really like that title it, because it allows you to be interested in multiple different things, but bring your skills to those things and bring your strengths to those different areas yeah. without limiting yourself. But you're so right. I think so much of the time, our entire identity is wrapped up in the work that we do or in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk us through that kind of that journey, that mindset journey that people have to make? Yeah, I think what has to happen is there has to be that separation and you recognizing that there's a difference between the work that you do and who you are. Mm-hmm. And so often if someone new comes along and you introduce yourself to them or they say, tell me about yourself, the first thing that we do is talk about the work that we do. 
It's like, yeah. tell me about yourself. Well, I'm a lawyer, I'm a coach, I'm an accountant, I'm a this. It's like, okay, yeah, that's the role that you do. But tell me about you <laughs> as an yeah. individual. So I had to kind of just peel back the layers and and recognize that there are skills that I have acquired. There are strengths that I have. There are interests that I have. And there's a thread in terms of how I can use mm-hmm. them in my life in different ways. Yeah. But my title doesn't define who I am. And so when I kind of had that thought process and was really thinking about what am I even trying to do when it comes to the work that I do, I'm trying to make an impact and I'm choosing to make an impact in a different way. And that doesn't reflect me as an individual, the value that I can bring. It helps me to see that this is just a title Mm. and I can pick it up and I can put it down. I love that approach. And I think Oftentimes we get so narrow in what we're thinking, but if you think in the broader spectrum, and maybe we'll touch on this later, the broader spectrum of the impact that you want to have, whether that's through the work that you're doing currently or whether that's over your entire career, but thinking about what's the impact that you want to have in the world, who are the people that you want to help or who are the people you want to serve mm-hmm. and how, like what kind of brings you joy in doing that? Like what, for me, I always think of like, what problem is it that I want to solve in the world? Like that's yeah. kind of, I'm a problem solver at heart. And that's, that's what really lights me up is how can I help people to solve those problems? But I'd love to know, Janine, what's the biggest mistake that you see when people are managing their careers or making any sort of career transition yeah so just to follow on from that point too there's the thing about seasons I think sometimes Mm. people make decisions and it's like this is who I am recognize that there can be seasons and what you've done in one season it just because it comes to an end doesn't mean you don't get to leverage some of that in your next season Um, And I think sometimes people, when they're thinking about their careers, they are reluctant to let go of decisions that they made five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, And so it's like, well, I decided that I was going to go on this path. And so I've committed to it. So I've got to keep going. And I think that there isn't an appreciation for the fact that you as an individual are always changing. And the version of you at age 30 or 40 is not the same version of you as at age 20. And so it's okay to make different decisions and giving people the permission to make different mm-hmm. decisions. Um, and the other thing that comes up for people is, is this um, sunken cost fallacy, which is essentially where you feel like I've invested so much time and energy going down this path. So I have to keep going because if I don't keep going, I've wasted all of that. Yeah. And, and I think there's a reframe to be had about what does it mean to waste yeah. all of that? Because yeah. actually nothing is wasted. You are who you are today because of your past experiences. And so it's okay to draw a line under it and say, I'm ready for either a change or I'm ready to accelerate. I'm ready to go in a different direction. Um, it's okay. <laughs> so yes. I think that's the mistake. It's it's being yeah. tied to what you've done in the past too tightly. And it's so funny you say that because as you were talking about that first area around the decisions and and we've made this decision and it should be the same decision that I'm making when I'm 40 as it was when I'm 20 because we've invested all this time. Like for me, the, what I wrote down was that sunk cost fallacy. That's yeah. exactly what I wrote down. We've invested so much time and energy and money doing one thing and we believe that we should stick to that. But actually you know, what I'm learning more and more is you need to wake up every day and choose what it is that you want to do. And would you choose today what it is that you're doing or would you choose something else? And if you would choose something else, how do you make that happen? So maybe we can talk about something you alluded to at the start, which is this idea of transferable skills. So you've built up all of these skills being a lawyer. How did you take those and apply those? Yeah. So I think initially I was led by led into coaching because of my um, desire to really help people on a personal level. 
I was working as a corporate lawyer. And so whilst you're helping people to close transactions, to make mergers or acquisitions, it was at the same level of impact Mm -hmm. as I wanted to feel when I was helping people on more of a personal level and knowing that the work that I did really impacted them. And so I was led by the interest that I had and the desire that I had to make impact and coaching tick the box in terms of giving me the opportunity to do that. And then once I got into coaching and got my coaching certification and started practicing, you know, coaching on people and then over time developed my practice and built up clients, what I realized was that there was a thread in terms of the skill set that I had that I was able to use as a lawyer that then helped me in my coaching business. So one of those things is being a people person and being able to build rapport with people really quickly. I use that as a lawyer, as a corporate lawyer, it was really helpful because I could liaise with people in different departments to make sure that we got the things done that we needed to get done. But as a coach, I need to be able to do that so that I can build rapport with my clients and build trust quickly, the same as when I'm speaking on stages. And then the other thing is having a strategic mind and being able to connect the dots and ask really good questions. Like as a lawyer, when I was advising clients, if you don't ask the right questions, you might start solving for the wrong problem. And so client will come to you and say, I need you to write this contract for me. And it's like, if you just jump in and you're like, okay, great, let's do it. Hmm. You might not realize that that's not actually what they need. That's what they think they need. Yeah. But that's not what they yeah, need. Yeah. So we were trained yeah, yeah. to ask questions before you take hmm. action. And hmm. it's the same in coaching now where a client will come and say, okay, I have an issue with this. I ha- I want to get a promotion and my organization just isn't promoting me. Okay. On the surface, that's what it looks like. You start <laughs> digging and asking questions and then you realize that uh, before we get to that, there's some things that we need to deal with. And so there's so many synergies that initially I didn't even see. And it wasn't yeah. until I got into it that I realized, oh, I use that over here and I use that here. And actually I was yeah. really good there and I should use that here. And so I think what often happens is surface level, people look at their role, their title, look at a new role and a title, and they can't see the connections. And so mm. they assume that it's very, very different. And so they're going to have to start all over again and train themselves up. But actually when you dig into what skills are required what do you need to actually do to get results in the role? You are likely to find that there are synergies between where you're trying to go and what you've done in the past. Yeah, it's so true. And interestingly, since I started this journey myself, and I, again, I have that background agency side, getting requests from clients saying, can you produce this, you know, and Mm -hmm. asking for some very specific analyses without necessarily sharing what the end goal was that they're trying to get to. And so that was a big challenge that we had was, questioning you know and probing and seeing well, what yeah. is it that you're trying to get to I never made that connection until now with what I do with clients right. um you know just by asking questions and, and even on on the podcast as well and something that again became so ingrained in me and in how to do it so there was that side of it but then there was also the connecting the dots and the making correlations between things and noticing and turning stuff into a story so you have all of this information but how do you put it into a story so that it resonates with people or that you're connecting maybe things that other people see as quite separate but you're connecting them together to form a bigger picture and that's something and academically I used it was described to me as being able to synthesize information in a really coherent way which I, whether it's something that I'm naturally good at or something I built up over time in my career, I never realized I was good at it because it was something yeah. I just did quite yeah. easily and naturally. So I think that's something people need to be aware of, that sometimes you do something so easily and naturally, you don't realize that it's a skill that you have. 
but also that those skills can be used in other areas. I think oftentimes we believe that we need to start from the bottom if we're changing industry, if we're changing careers, but that's really not the case at no. all. I was just going to add that oftentimes when you look, you can see threads. So when you look at your past experiences and what it is that you've done in your career so far, you can actually see where you've made decisions or where you've yeah. shown up to use your skill set. I was doing an interview with someone on the podcast recently and she gave a, an example of an exercise that you can do. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so mind blowing. So she basically asked, if you think about what games did you enjoy playing as a child or what mm. games do you like playing now and yeah. what games don't you like? And when you dig into that, it's so interesting that the games that you like normally will play to your strengths and the skills yeah. that you actually mm. use. And the ones that you don't like, you don't like them because you don't get to use that skill set. And so sometimes when people are like struggling with, okay, what am I good at? Like that is a really good exercise to be like, yeah. oh, that's why I like articulate because I get to do all the things <laughs> that I'm good at. And that's why I don't yeah. like imagine letting me play with my kids. Because And so, yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think it is really interesting that there are patterns in mm. your behavior, in your decision-making and how your skills have shown up. You've just got to find them. Yeah, you're so right. And like that reminds me, Steve Jobs always talked about like you can't connect the dots into the future, but if you right. look in the past, that's how you connect the dots. And it's only by looking into the past that you can really see how things are interrelated, how things are connected. Yeah. Now, interestingly, when I was still in my corporate career, they had an external speaker come in and talk about, I think she was kind of talking about inner child stuff and like, what mm. did you like to do? Like, what did you like to play at? when you were a kid and ever since then I was like oh my god I love doing jigsaw puzzles that's what I loved to do mm -hmm. and not everyone maybe loves doing that I absolutely love it I could sit there doing a jigsaw for hours I love to watch murder she wrote I love playing kind of strategy type of games right and maybe a mix of luck and strategy like Monopoly <laughs> which is a little bit of a mix of both but um you know I love playing Settlers of Catan which maybe not a lot of people I think it's quite a kind of a cult following quite a, a niche thing but it's it centers on strategy and making decisions around it's sort of a mix of luck and strategy but I love all of that stuff right. so the puzzle piece is kind of putting the pieces together to to solve problems essentially I absolutely love doing that right um but it's so interesting and so I can see then how again what I really enjoyed when I was younger like Murder She Wrote is like the solving and understanding and even now I still love Murder She Wrote that's you know that's not pretend <laughs> um, but I love things like air crash investigations because they go through this process of and we mm -hmm. looked at this and we looked at that and they turn everything then into a and this is how we solved that problem and you know it's obviously scary if I'm flying the next day or something like that and I have done and very mistakenly <laughs> don't watch it before you fly no to everyone but what I found was that just, I suppose, just the, the process of, of going through that and and getting and, and it makes me feel safer in the air, knowing that this has happened and this investigation mm. has been done, that, you know, it's that same thing is not going to be repeated again, essentially, right. because they've learned from that experience and they've taken that and they and they've put it in. So it's all of those things that I'm really interested in. It's the solving problems. It's the learning from that experience. And it's the applying knowledge from other areas into kind of newer areas. So it's spreading that knowledge so that other people don't don't make the same mistakes, essentially. Yeah. So there's a thread. And it's so, mm. it's so interesting that you can find it. So sometimes when people are starting and they're like, oh, I don't even know where to start. It's like, okay, let's actually look at your interests. Like, what do you actually like doing? Yeah. Um, that can give you some clues as to where you want to place yourself next. 
This is it. This is it. Mm -hmm. Any challenges that you see people facing when it comes to, I suppose, career management generally, maybe not changing their careers, but just managing mm -hmm. their careers? Yeah, I just think people don't take ownership of it. People are very passive when it comes to their career progression and assume that the company is going to yeah. do it. Um, yeah. Their organization, if I work hard enough, if I put in the time and the hours, they will promote me or they will give me that bonus or they will push me forward. When actually it isn't just about putting in the hours, it's about how you're using those hours and yeah. what kind of impact you're making. Yes. So I think people struggle and get very disgruntled and very disheartened when they mm -hmm. are finding that they're overlooked for opportunities or they feel mm -hmm. undervalued. And whilst, yes, there's some organisations that aren't doing what they need to do, I don't think the onus is all on the organisation. I think that the individual needs to say, okay, here's what I know to be true about what the organisation is trying to do and where they're mm -hmm. trying to go. But also, here's what I'm trying to do. And like, let's yeah. see where there's synergies and where there's alignment with that. And also, I'll be vocal about what it is mm -hmm. I want what yeah. I'm moving towards and look for opportunities within the organization and within my role that are going to allow me to hit some of the markers that I want to hit. And I think when you can shift from that passive way of thinking to the active way of thinking and say, actually, here's where I want to get to, I'm going to create opportunities for myself so that I can yeah. move forward, things shift in how quickly you're able to accelerate your career. Yeah, you're so right. And I was one of those people who you're kind of waiting around going, well, someday the organization or my manager or the leader is going to notice that I'm doing all of this work. But you're so right, like taking personal responsibility for your career, not just in the context of your bigger career, but what you're actually doing on a day to day basis. I love that you use the word impact as well. So it's, mm -hmm. we get so stuck in busy mode where you're responding to what other people want and you're saying yes. Maybe you're afraid to say no, you're a people pleaser. And again, no judgment here because that's that's kind of who I was and I'm a recovering people pleaser, let's say, um, trying to work on that, but saying yes to things, but being busy on the wrong things. So yeah. thinking about the impact that you're having, how does that relate to what the organization or the team or the department is trying to achieve? And, and can you make a direct link between what you're working on on a day-to-day -day basis? So what are the tasks that you have on your list and working to those and, and explicitly sharing that? And, and previous podcast guest, Paula Sheridan, she spoke about how oftentimes, like she helps women in pharma and how oftentimes it's women who, they just kind of get on with it and they see the work that they have in solving problems and anticipating any issues and challenges that might come up. They see that as a day-to-day -day role and they don't mm. shout about the fact that they're doing that. So, you know, it's knowing how you're supporting the organization to avoid challenges as well as everything else and telling people what you're doing. Like I anticipated this or I included this person in this email because they were missed off it and they're a critical person that needs to be involved. Yeah. You know, so there's all of these things that we do that we don't realize. And I suppose the second part of that is then when people come to you asking you to do stuff and it's not aligned with what you are trying to achieve in your career or what the organization is trying to achieve, finding positive ways to say no or to turn yeah. it down and really focusing on what is the impact here or am I just doing someone else's job for them essentially that they don't want to do themselves. Now, obviously it depends on your level of autonomy in the role and how much control you have over what it is that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Are you essentially getting work from your boss? And in that case, then it's a case of getting them to help you to reprioritize what's going on. And then on the other side, if you do have more control, then like 
actually having the will and the power to say no I can't take that on and showing people what you have on or showing how it's not related and you know I saw something I'm not a massive TikTok user but I occasionally would click in and I share some clips from the podcast onto TikTok as well and I saw something that kind of took everyday language sometimes sweary so I'm not going to repeat what was said um, but everyday language and turned it into like this is the professional language that you can use to turn down work or to tell people you have too much on your plate or to Mm. ask them to stop emailing you 10 times a day like to consolidate their emails into one question or one document in an email so that it doesn't get missed and things like that but there's that side and then I saw another one that was if request is coming let's say an interdepartmental request is coming in that the requirement is that they fill out a document and the document will have things like how long it will take and it will have things like Mm -hmm. how does this relate to the strategy so that you're not just well the person I suppose has to think about those things and they may not be bothered to fill out the form in the first place but if they do (laughs) they have to give a justification as to why why the work needs to be done essentially yeah yeah absolutely I think there's a big thing there around your boundaries and your preferences Mm -hmm. as an individual working within Mm -hmm. the workplace I think often people just assume well because I'm in this role whatever is asked of me I must do and even how it's asked of me so someone's going to come into my office at 4 30 and give me something and ask me to get it done by 5 30 when I was planning to leave at five but because I don't want to be seen to not be a team player I will stay and cancel my plans and get this done even if that thing isn't necessarily a priority sometimes people aren't asking the question to know if it's a priority and they they get upset that they're still in the office but it's like but you can have boundaries and you can say great if you do want me to work on something I'm going to need more than half an hour notice it's okay to say things like that. Um, yeah. So I think that there's something around you when you understand what the priority is for the organization and for your department and you're making decisions that are aligned with those priorities, it's a lot mm-hmm. easier to exercise your boundaries around work that isn't falling in line with that. Yeah. Um, but I do think that often what I've seen with my clients is people are so busy so much to do, so in the weeds of their day-to-day that they aren't actually thinking at the strategic level. They Mm. aren't actually paying attention to what is going on, you know, from the top down um, to even know what is driving our decision-making as a team, as an organization, to know what the priorities are. They just have their tasks and they're getting on with it. And so I think there's two reasons why you want to be paying more attention to what's going on and why. One is so that you can prioritize better. But two is if you have aspirations to be making it, you know, moving up the ladder and making it to the C-suite or, you know, being a senior leader within your organization, you're going to have to be thinking at that level. So start Mm -hmm. early getting used to making the kind of decisions or following the thought process that those who are senior to you would be doing. Yeah. And you can't do that if you're just busy, 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 busy doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I suppose my, my next question following on from that was going to be who's responsible so I think the the managers and the leaders have a certain level of responsibility for communicating what the expectations are and what the priorities are but the individuals have responsibility then for prioritizing and strategic thinking taking a step out you're so right and I do this myself as well in my business you're so busy doing the day-to-day stuff that you need to take a step back and see the wood for the trees and think strategically how is this impacting is this the impact that I want to have does this relate to the priorities that we have in the business or is it just busy work you know and one of those big things or two of those big things one would be emails that come in you know Mm -hmm. is this an unnecessary email 
that's coming internally? Could that have been a Slack or a phone call or a text instead? And then the other is meetings and how much time we spend in meetings feeling like we're really busy. But then at the end of the day, we're just like, we haven't got our work done. Yeah. One of my mentors, uh, she said a phrase and I was like, okay, that's going to stick with me. She was like, you can become a busy fool very quickly. So yeah. just because you're busy, it doesn't mean that what you're doing is driving things forward. So you yeah. really need to be mindful about what is taking up your time. And I think that applies if you're, you know, if you're running your own business or if you're in your day-to-day role within corporate, it's like busy, but busy doing what? And what exactly. does productivity actually look like? Yeah. What did you get done this week? Was it actually a priority task? Was it yeah. lots of little things? So I think it's just going back to your earlier question, like how do people go about managing their careers? I think it is about intentionality and taking the time to assess, like, is this working? Am I on the path that I want to be on? And if I'm not, what do I need to do to change that? What relationships do I need to be building within my organization? What do I need to be getting some support? Really thinking about what's lacking so that you can address it. I love that idea. Like what's lacking? I've made a note of that quote as well am I on the path I need to be on because yeah. it's it, you're so right um I've replaced the word busy like mm-hmm. I won't say I got some feedback but but um this is more on a personal level when I had some I was trying to meet up with friends and it was kind of like oh well I'm busy this weekend and this weekend and you know it's going to take ages before we can actually meet up and I just started getting messages like oh you're always busy you're always busy and I was like oh man I didn't realize I was coming across that way So I wanted to change that narrative. So, you know, it's not about being busy. It's about being productive. And what are the things that I'm working on and how can I be more productive with my time rather than just being caught in a trap of I'm always busy and I keep busy. And like even with clients, there's a few different aspects of my business. But but one of those is around specifically on imposter syndrome. And one of the most common things that I get back from people is they don't have time to invest in taking an imposter syndrome program or working with me on a coaching basis one-to-one they don't have time to do that and for me it's not about not having time and I don't remember where I heard this initially but I know certainly like there's um one coach in particular Vicky Schilling who springs to mind about talking about this all the time flipping that language up from I don't have time to that's not a priority for me right now Mm. And it really changes how you think about things. Like if you say, instead of I don't have time to do that, that's not a priority. It helps you to define what are your actual priorities. And if that's not a priority, then what is? So, you know, there's a few tweaks I think that people can make when they're using that language around being, I'm really busy all the time. Like, how can you be more productive with that time? How can you take a step back and be more strategic? But also when you say, I don't have time, to do stuff it's like okay so it's not about not having time it's about about not prioritizing what you want to do with that time you know and I don't want to be that person who says like we're all like Beyonce we have 24 hours in the day I understand that people have different challenges and they have different commitments but you still get to choose how you how you do that so if you have if you want to spend more time with kids or partners or friends or family then you have the option and you can create the boundaries to have that you Mm -hmm. know Yeah, it all comes down to choice. And I think sometimes when we use that language around, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I don't have time. It's almost like you're not in control and someone else or something else is in control of of your time. Because it's like the way that we say that, I'm so busy, it's like, oh, like I don't want to be busy, but I am busy. Um, When actually it's like, okay, take pause. What are you wanting to prioritize right now? And what do you need to say no to? Mm. And sometimes we 
struggle we struggle to say no but when you take the time to really think about in this season whether that is this week this month this year what am I prioritizing what is important then you're able to say yeah like I'm choosing not to do this right now and I know why I'm choosing not to do this right now I stopped using the word busy also recently I'm like okay I'm not busy my life is dynamic (laughs) there's a lot going on Um, but the things that are in my life right now I'm choosing to pursue and if it isn't working anymore then we can change it and so yeah I think it is about really assessing how have I spent my time like doing an audit how have you spent your time in the last week and are you happy with how you spent it um because once you spend it you can't get it back right so exactly yeah 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 take the time to think about that yeah absolutely this is it and yeah I love that the reframe of it's not busy it's productive and I'm choosing not to do this now so we do Mm -hmm. have that choice and and I suppose for me as well it's bearing in mind and this applies in the business context as well as a personal context like everything can't be a priority all at the same time because then that's not prioritization you know And and I did see something recently not too long ago that said if you have two priorities that's not really prioritization either you have to have one you know what is your one priority what is the one thing that you're focusing on and really make that your priority and you know you build your decisions around that essentially yeah. more gets done when you actually yeah. say okay when I speak to my team and say look guys this week here's what we're focused on this one thing like if by the end of the week we get nothing else done this one thing we're going to get done we get it done but when it's like yeah. okay we're going to try to do this 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 yeah. it's like by the end of the week it's like maybe we half got number one exactly. done exactly yeah. number two done but yeah nothing was finished and yeah. so I think it's just looking at how we're going about approaching the most important things and also focusing on the things that are actually going to move the needle because when you're thinking about prioritizing there may be lots of things that seem important but there's a book the one thing and the question is like what one thing can I do such that if I do this one thing it's going to make everything else easier yes and so when you're thinking about the priorities it makes sense where you do this thing first so that the other things can happen. So, yeah. you know, like if you think about a housework example, it's like, okay, I've got to do, I've got to do the washing. I've got to um, look at these things. I've got to do this. It's like, well, let me prioritize the washing because once I deal with that and put it on, that can be running while I do something else. And so <laughs> it's the same with like your work. It's like, okay, yeah. if there's a project I need to work on, I need to delegate. Let me focus on that delegation piece first. Cause once yeah. I delegate, it's off my hands and it's happening whilst I focus on something else while you're able to do something else yeah Yeah. and I had this conversation the other day but oftentimes if we put something off for a long time it builds up in our Mm -hmm. head and it could be something that takes you 15 minutes it could be something that takes you two hours but because you've built it up in your head it becomes this big giant problem it's and it stays there and it's taking up space and I think by the time you do it and you realize that it only has taken 15 minutes or only has taken two hours you're like what yeah why did I but it's something that you really don't want to do Right. And you just keep putting it off. So there's another great book actually called Eat the Frog and uh, by Brian Tracy. He talks about doing the hardest thing first. And I think it's figuring out for ourselves what works best for us. So is mm-hmm. it doing that hard thing or is it having lots of small wins in the morning? So you're feeling really productive yes. and ready to take on the hard thing in the afternoon. I think it it depends and, and each person will be individual and can work it out for themselves, essentially. Yeah. But I think it's about paying attention to your energy management and like Mm. when when are you most energized and when are you most focused because I know for me like I'm a night owl so if I need to do some really deep thinking the afternoon's probably going to be best for me to do that 
then kind of do that first thing in the morning. But Mm. that's taken me observing and paying attention to my output. And when have I like been able to get through something really quickly versus it taking ages, me just staring at the screen. Um, So again, it's about, you know, that intention and raising your level of self-awareness. Like, do you know yourself? Do you know how you work best? Are you clear on what makes you the most productive so you can set yourself up for success? And that's a big part of what happens when you do coaching or you like you work with a mentor, you work with someone who can help you to see yourself. And Mm. and in seeing that, you're able to say, oh, okay, well, if this is how I approach things best, now I know how to set myself up for success in the workplace or in my interactions with people. I know how to best set expectations, manage people, because I know myself and I understand myself more. So I think that's a big part. Like we don't often spend time really paying attention to who we are and how we show up. Yeah, totally. And I love this. It's the intentionality and how we show up because sometimes the intention behind how we're showing up is different to how we actually show up. So the action is different from the actual intention. So we want to come across as this kind person as, you know, in a certain way, but that's not necessarily reflected in our behavior, but what other people see of us is our behavior. They don't see the intention behind our behavior. So an important distinction there as well, I think. Janine, we've covered so much ground today. I've absolutely so enjoyed this chat. Is there any kind of final tips that you would want to leave with people with that we haven't necessarily covered yet today? Yeah, I think I would just say it's good to have a 90-day plan. When you are working towards, when you're in your day-to-day, it's really easy to just be going, going, going. But having a personal 90-day plan is really, really helpful. And you picking like a three, like three things that you want to achieve, three focus areas for the next 90 days. Mm. And then really mapping out if that's where I want to get to in the next 90 days, what needs to happen by 60 days and what needs to happen by 30 days in order Mm. for that to actually be true. And so I think when you start breaking things down, it helps you to prioritize and it helps you to have a filter so that if other things are coming up, you can ask yourself, well, is this driving me towards my 90 day goal? If it isn't, do I have capacity for that? And if I don't, then manage accordingly. And if I do, then I can take it on. Something I like to do with my clients, particularly when they are moving into like a new role, just starting out, stepping up, really setting out what, okay, I'm here now. Where am I trying to get to? What am I trying to do? And it can Mm. improve your impact. So, yeah, so I have a worksheet. If anyone's listening who wants it, like send me a DM and I can send it to you. But, yeah, I would say get into the habit of quarterly planning. And then at the Mm. end of the quarter, just reviewing how far did I get with that plan? What things would I do differently next quarter? And if you do that over the course of the year, that's a lot of focused time on your goal. And it's broken down in manageable chunks. But it's also a way of taking responsibility for your career, essentially, isn't it? That you're stepping up and you're not leaving it at the, not the whim, but like you're not leaving it up to the organization to present you with these opportunities. You're actually thinking about what do I want to get from my career? What does that look like in the context of this organization, but also in the wider context of there are lots of other organizations that I could work in potentially. Janine, absolutely loved this conversation. Uh, The question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? Oh, I love this question. I think being happier at work means showing up in a way that allows you to fully utilize your strengths Mm. and your skills and your interests. I think it means alignment between who you are as an individual and what is going to be required for you in your role if there is if there is alignment there then you're definitely going to be happier in the work you do love it absolutely love that 
Now we're recording this live on LinkedIn. So people who are watching this video on LinkedIn can click in and connect directly with Janine because she is tagged in this post. For anyone who is not watching us live on LinkedIn, that they're, they're listening to the podcast, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so connect with me on LinkedIn, Janine S. Brand, or you can head over to my website, which is careerchangemakers.com. Um, and you can check out our podcast, which is the Career Changemaker podcast on iTunes and all the other podcast platforms. Brilliant. Absolutely love that. Now, I haven't seen any comments pop up on the LinkedIn post just yet, but if people want to submit comments, if they want to ask anything, I'll keep an eye on the comments and see does anyone put anything through based on this conversation. Absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for your time today. And I'm looking forward to putting this out there in the world. Yeah, so awesome, Aoife. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, if people are watching the replay and you have questions or comments, I will also circle back and give you my thoughts too. So thanks again for today. If you've been listening to the Happier at Work podcast for a while, you'll know that I love to make the episodes as actionable as possible for you. I love bringing practical suggestions into the conversations that I have with my guests. But I always wondered, how easy is it to implement what you learn? Or how are you staying accountable for putting into practice what it is that you know about? So recently, I've started partnering with Skilding.com. That's S-K-I-L-L-D-I-N-G.com. Skilding suite of digital tools is designed to help you remember the most actionable content from this episode when you need it most and track your improvements while you deliberately practice. With Skilding.com, ensure that you're learning the right way with their tools and resources. You'll have everything you need to make sure you're retaining the best of what you hear and applying it when it matters most. Head over to skillding.com forward slash happier to check out the insights from today's episode. Something I forgot to mention at the start of today's episode, but always welcome feedback. You'll find all of my social details on the website happieratwork.ie. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to connect with you. And do let me know what you thought of today's episode. If you have anything to add, if you have anything that you'd like to share, absolutely, please let me know. And back to my chat today with Janine. And one of the key things I suppose I took away from this was the idea of transferable skills. And I think it's something we don't talk about enough. We assume that if we're starting in a new role or a new industry, that we have to start at the bottom, that we can't take those transferable skills with us. But actually, that's really false belief. So you need to identify what those transferable skills are and really pick them up if you're changing industry. We talked about the impact that we want to have at work. So think about what that impact looks like for you. We also talked about decisions when it comes to careers and this idea, you know, Janine related it to the sunk cost fallacy. So just because you're spending money on something or just because you've spent time on something doesn't mean that you need to continue down that same road, essentially. So think of this as a permission slip to make different decisions for yourself in the future. We talked about busy work and how oftentimes we can get caught up. And I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, this idea of busy work. And it feels really good. It feels really good to be busy. But actually, is that getting you anywhere? Is that moving the dial for you in your career? We talked about boundaries as well and asking the question, is this a priority? So deciding for yourself whether or not 
this is a priority for you right now at the risk of sounding like you're not a team player. We talked about the idea of strategic thinking. So being able to prioritize better, having aspirations to gain more seniority in whatever role that you're doing, you have to learn how to be a strategic thinker and understanding what that means as well. So to me, strategic thinking is that big picture thinking. So not just isolating yourself to the individual contribution that you're making, but thinking about the overall impact that you're having on the business. We talked about intentionality as well. So what is the intention behind what it is that you want to achieve? So am I on the path that I want to be on and that I need to be on in order to secure what it is that I want? Is that the intention that I have? Think about what's lacking. So what is lacking in the role that you currently have? What choice do you have around that? We talked about the difference between busy and productive. And again, this is a topic that I've covered multiple times, the idea of being reactive versus proactive. And it's so easy to slip into this idea of reactivity, where we're reacting to whatever is around us. We're responding to emails, we're responding to clients, but actually thinking about how can you be more proactive and focus more time on the things that are important to you in your role and in your career. We talked about time and the amount of time that we have at work and prioritization and our abilities or inabilities to prioritize, because oftentimes what you hear people saying is, I have no time. I don't have time to do that. But actually thinking about flipping that language, and again, something I've spoken on the podcast about before, is that's not a priority right now. So is that really a priority for you if you're saying that you don't have time to do it? And that can apply in any aspect of your life. I love Janine's words around, I'm choosing not to do this now. And when it comes to what you can achieve at work, it's thinking about that sustainably. So how can we sustainably achieve everything that we want to achieve? So it's not about going all in and burning ourselves out. And again, another brilliant previous episode with Alex Pang, all about that as well. So, you know, how to manage the future of work in a sustainable way that really works for you. Janine also talked about this idea of having a 90-day plan. Do you have a 90-day plan? Maybe that's one action that you can take to implement and something to do differently as a result of listening to today's episode. As always, would love to hear from you. Do find and reach me through the website, happieratwork.ie. You'll find all of my social channels there. And I look forward to hearing from you. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. And if you've made it this far, well done you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a rating, a review or share it with a friend. I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. And also, if you'd like to know more about how I can help you or your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.